Yeah, hello, dear listeners of the Education Newscast, another episode, and this time in English, and uh, on the topic learning and development. Okay, that's nothing new, but learning and development for HR with Enrico Palumbo from SAP HR Learning. So I'm very pleased to have you in the show today. Hi, Enrico. Hi, Thomas. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great. So, Enrico, perhaps uh, we just start off with a quick introduction. Oh, we wanted to talk about learning development for HR and then perhaps look at some concrete examples, some tips like always, and then also how you learn. So, perhaps do you want to just introduce yourself briefly? So, who are you? What was your journey so far? Yeah, as you said, I'm I'm responsible for learning and development for HR. Um, in the past, I've been in different HR functions. Last time, probably two and a half years ago, we did another session of this podcast. I was in my role as HR director of SAP in Switzerland, and I always like to move from global into local roles and vice versa. And now I'm responsible for learning and development in HR. So that's what I always say. It's cooking for chefs. It's a challenging role because you have a demanding audience, but on the other side, All the consumers of our learning offerings are HR professionals, which also means they they can appreciate if you bring a good meal to the dish and also understand the background it takes, what to say in 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 the in the back end to to prepare it. So, are they more critical, or let's say than other target groups you had in the past? They all are HR professionals. Mm. Many of them come with background on learning theories and have their own ideas. So it's. It's, of course, a different audience in the sense that they have their own ideas mm. and they also feel that they have a right to express their own ideas while probably other functions rather rely on the experts who are the experts for instructional design and learning. All right. So it's probably like always some pros, some cons. Yeah. So perhaps you just can share some experiences that you had so far uh, and also perhaps some recommendations, uh, especially about the development of people in the HR function? I think what we see, and when I talk to colleagues in other companies, it's very similar. Uh, in these times where everything is condensed and people are anyway stressed out to specific situations in the pandemic, also learning and taking time for learning is more challenging for people to find the time. So what we found useful is attach our learning offerings to a compelling event to something along the HR life cycle where people have a specific need. So when we talk now and look at SAP, this is the time as we record this, where managers have received their, their employee survey results. It's called unfiltered at SAP. Um, they discuss these results with their organizations and the business partners have a pivotal role in supporting team and organizational development. And part of that can also be facilitating that discussion, facilitating workshops. So we said it's probably the right time to offer training enablement, peer exchange on the topic of facilitating workshops. And then you see, yeah, indeed, it was a good timing because it comes at the moment where people need the learning content. And therefore, we also had quite quite, quite huge interest and participation rate. I think that's a very good tip, yeah, to, to connect it to let's say, compelling events or events which are anyhow there to, to make the demand clear. So perhaps we look into some example programs or project, what you have for your target group. Uh, I think, yeah, we, we already talked in the preparation a little bit. So do you want to share one or two programs, what you offer? 
Yeah, I think one good example because it it reflects also our desire to find new formats and engage people with new formats is what we call inside SAP. So bringing insights, understanding what is happening inside SAP related to the skill business acumen, which is part of our key capabilities in, in the talent strategy. And we started in the way that from my own observation, when I look into the portal, when I started as an intern at SAP many, many years ago, I had the naive illusion when I take this customer magazine that we had back there, SAP Info, it was called. Mm. No, it was like coming out monthly. And then back then I was so naive and thought, oh, if I just read this every month, I will understand the company and what we do in our solutions portfolio. But with the with the massive breadth and depth of SAP solutions across 25 plus industries and LOBs, it's simply not so easy. And I feel that many colleagues who are not so core to writing code or selling code um, also struggle to keep pace and understand in this fast moving environment. So we said business acumen is something important, understand how our company is transforming and evolving. And But let's do it in a way that is easy to understand and the right level of complexity and need. So we said, instead of us from the HR learning team interviewing experts from corporate strategy group, from marketing, from finance, let's engage HR colleagues who conduct these sessions, interview the experts. So they have a good feeling because they represent also our consumers, the, the target audience for the sessions. At the same time, obviously for those colleagues who conduct the sessions, Preparing for this is another experience-based action learning activity. And they all enjoyed it, by the way. And what was the outcome, if I may ask, of this interview? So did they store this somehow in a wiki? No, it was live recorded. So we, okay. we, we published then our, our series of sessions. We say first session will be on corporate strategy. We provided a learning nugget so that the, the audience could prepare by reviewing our internal page and uh, PowerPoint presentation that is published and available as an input and preparation for the session. Then there was the live session with two HR colleagues interviewing colleagues from Corporate Strategy Group. And then afterwards, there were other learning nuggets or for some of those uh, fields, also the opportunity to do a job shadowing. Okay, let, yeah, perhaps let's look into the job shadowing a bit. So how, how did that go? Actually, uh, just a little... Uh, we call this insider. I was also one of the guinea pigs there. So also some HR colleagues from you did some shadowing. Yeah, thank you. So. You were also one of those who offered. <laughs> the, and and that's, that, that was our contribution. Oh, we went across the organization along the talk tracks of the topics that we discussed with the experts, be it marketing, be it business development. Our go-to-market approach was one of those topics. And then finding colleagues who are open to host somebody from the HR colleagues for shadowing. And why, why, do I, why do I emphasize shadowing so much? For me, it's one of the most underutilized learning and development opportunities. It's rather simple to implement. It does not cost apart from the time people invest. You don't need to travel for that. Um, and it can give tremendous insight. And more than insight, it can give courage. And I tell you why. Mm -hmm. It gives, I see two sides of job shadowing. No? One is that I do related to specific skill, specific knowledge that I acquire. So, for example, another offering we had was an Agile HR day, full day dedicated to Agile 
methodology, mindset, and tools. In that context, people learn about Scrum Mm -hmm. and they start to think about what of these agile methodologies or tools they could apply for their own team, what could be a start point. Giving them now the opportunity to shadow another team who is applying one of these tools, methods, can be Kanban, can be from Agile, a retro meeting or a daily, gives them a concrete understanding and they can decide if and how they want to apply this knowledge. And this experience, you can't substitute with let them read another 10 books about Agile working. So that gives them the power to decide what from what I've seen I want to take and experience with, with my colleagues. And then the other part of job shadowing is not related to a specific skill, but related more to understand another role and how roles interact with each other. That can be interesting for me to understand how is the the team that is working with me acting and how do they depend on what I with my team deliver or on a more individual level for me to understand if that job could be my next job, if that role could be interesting for me as part of my career planning. And instead of just reading job descriptions and applying and going through interview rounds. In worst case, people get a job they don't really want to do. But if you take the time to do job shadowing, spend three, four, half days, a couple of hours with people, you also see the emotions they have during the day. You see what is the highlights and the lowlights of the job. And you get a sensation, is this how I want to spend my day, my week, part of my life? Mm. And the punchline is, if you then decide for the job, having done the job shadowing, gives you more credibility as a candidate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what I think I think you mentioned already, the one thing is the knowledge, like you can read many books or do many e-learnings. But the other thing is to really understand, okay, now how is really the execution, the applying of the knowledge or of the job, of the role in the concrete life? Yeah. And there are feelings, there are challenges, or there are perhaps just some success factors and You get this out very easy if you go through the catalog, through the calendar with someone, or just interview them or discuss it. Uh, I really like that. And that's my start point. When when I have a shadowy host somebody, I share with them my calendar. Yeah, yeah. Give them an idea to which extent this is a typical week, and the activities in that week are uh, are representing a typical week for me. That gives an idea what type of work is related mm-hmm. to that. And mm-hmm. the same is for all other roles, no? You will immediately see is there's a role that, where people have a lot of interactions with different groups, uh, or is it a role where people uh, have only a few <laughs> slots in their calendar where they work with others, and the rest of the time is just with themselves or doing some analysis? And people might have strong preferences for one or the other type. Mm. But you will only come to that once you go into these details to understand what type of activity is filling the day. No, very concrete. Monday morning, 9 a.m. What do people do? And what I think what never can be underestimated is to enhance your network. Also, yeah, below the uh, over the borders. I think that's always helpful. And I I know from SAP, probably not all listeners uh, know that. We even go a step further. There are many possibilities for rotational programs, uh, right? Uh, like the uh, uh, the rotation program. What's it called again? Fellowship, fellowship program. program. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, and we have around the SAP around thousand five hundred people per year who go on a fellowship. Means mm-hmm. they spend time between four weeks and six months 
either part-time or full-time in another function, which again gives them the possibility to explore other roles, to understand how they with their own work impact other functions that come later in the process when, when serving the customer. And of course, it's also an opportunity to, to acquire skills from a unit that has depth expertise in that area. And that what managers sometimes should also see more as an opportunity that allowing people do a fellowship allows also them bringing skills back to their team. The team does not have at that point in time. Mm. Actually, I came to my current job via fellowship. So I was doing fellowship in HR eight years ago or so, or nine years ago. Yeah. So really was pretty helpful uh, also for moving to another position. So, you, you know, our, our little podcast here is around the digital transformation of learning and how to learn digital stuff. So, so how does tech support you in your current role, uh, technology? Could you perhaps just highlight one, two, three examples uh, where it's helpful? Well, I think it's definitely helpful in the space where you can get learning recommendations. Mm -hmm. You get recommendations what type of courses could be interesting for you, like we do with our LinkedIn learnings. I get, uh, I think every Friday, it's an email I'm getting with some recommendations. Some of them are interesting, others are not. Then I can ignore them, but at least I do not need to call. So I've created content uh, and I don't need to, need to do extensive research and get some inspiration. The other thing, what I particularly like about technology in that context is we have the opportunity to learn everywhere and every time. Uh, is is a, an open SAP course where I probably don't want to watch the entire course or go through the entire course, but there's a specific element or two chapters that are particularly interesting to me. I can just watch the videos later today when I will go pick up my daughter from the from the sports uh, and wait in the car. This is just five minutes. I can consume another video and learn something about business technology platform, for example. All right. Yeah. Thanks for these two concrete examples. So uh, I think since four or five uh, uh, podcasts, we also discuss the the narratives our our interviewees have because I think it's pretty powerful. Like this mental uh, sayings. Let, let's say what's your what's your narrative around learning? Uh, do you have some some certain narratives, positive narratives? Perhaps um, uh, learning is a gift. Mm. And the ability to learn is a gift. Now it's an opportunity. It brings you in touch with people. As you mentioned before, also with the shadowing, it builds a social capital if you are more in a technical term and it allows your personal transformation. I like the gift metaphor very much. And perhaps even in our culture, it's not that seen because often learning is free, like in the German system, but in other system, it's really different. Yeah? So yeah, I really like that. Yeah. Thanks. And it's in, in school and it often it's associated with it's a punishment. You know? yeah. <laughs> People have to do homework and in the kindergarten already. I remember when my kids were at the age moving out of the kindergarten, uh, the lady there said to the kids, yeah, enjoy the time now. Later in school, you have to do homework. I said, no, it's great. No, you can mm -hmm. You can uh, try out, you can make mistakes, you learn from that. It's it's what you need to do. You need to practice, no? I mean, 
Nobody uh, who's, who's an athlete or a musician uh, woke up one morning and was able to throw or kick a ball or play an instrument. Mm. It all comes with practice. Absolutely. But uh, we teach people in school that practicing is a punishment and homework is a punishment, which is quite, quite bad and stupid, I feel. Yeah, that's, that's why I want to share all these, let's say, positive narratives to, to motivate people to learn. Yeah, I think that's, that's really important. And uh, another thing, what I also like is to look at learn hacks. And of course, that's different because every person is a little bit different. Uh, so do you have your favorite learn hacks, learning hacks, like uh, how you learn best? So probably not how I learn best, but how I learn different. Mm -hmm. For me, is I, I selectively read part of newspapers or magazines I'm not interested in. So the parts that I typically would not read, I force myself to read it, at least to some extent, typically at the weekend. And same with podcasts, no? stuff, uh, listening to stuff I normally generally would not be interested in. I listen to it at least for some minutes. And then see what happens. No, sometimes I find out it was just a weird title and the content is actually interesting, more interesting than I thought. Sometimes I notice, yeah, indeed, it's I couldn't care less about this topic. And sometimes I just get associations on other topics I'm working on that have apparently nothing to do with what I just heard or, or read. But still, it's helpful for me to, to ignite new ideas. I look outside the box, uh, say this uh, nice buzzword. And what were the two latest things, what you did, uh, where you forced yourself because it wasn't interesting in the first run? Uh, one was a very an interesting podcast uh, that basically was one of those where I say it's a bit Kafkaesque where people, and I might not be very nice now, but where mm -hmm. people, and actually the lady from the podcast spoke also about saying like doing this podcast is more a way of self-therapy. Okay. Um, and, and I found the concept interesting because it then the, the association was for me how going away from the therapeutic element to what is that people drives and what are projects people take is a, uh, As a, as a concept projects in terms of things that are important to people and what they carry on for, for some reasons. Mm -hmm. Okay. Podcast as therapy. That's cool. I need to, perhaps we need to develop a format on that. Uh, that that's a cool idea. And I, I can, a lot of thoughts uh, popping up, but let's not deep dive into that. So, so how, how do you keep up to date, Enrico? So what are you, perhaps your favorite podcasts or books or whatever? Now, a big, big element is for me how to keep up to date are my kids. Mm -hmm. They are 13 and 15. So they are a window also to a, to a different world for me where I can learn a lot about what's, what's important, what's hot, what's used, what in, what out. Uh, of course, with colleagues a lot. I have a lot of mentees. I enjoy mentoring. And that also is continuous stimulation for me to, to learn and understand what's happening. And then I read a lot. Uh, Not only things I don't like, uh, I don't find interesting, but things that I find interesting. And I'm one of the persons who is reading always several books in parallel. And what are you reading currently? Do you have some examples? Uh, currently, it's a, it's a book uh, that explains basic of psychology with examples of movies. Oh, okay. What's the name? Just for the show notes. Grundlagen der Psychologie, it's basically the name just translated. I need to look it up. Einführung die Psychologie anhand von Filmbeispielen. Ah, cool. Okay. Uh, German. Uh, although, uh, although we can put it in the show notes. Uh, cool. Your la last important learning experience, what was that? 
I, I started in, in new sports. Well, it's already some time ago, but since there was a long break with the pandemic, it feels like I just started new uh, with karate. And there's something that I that I learned through that uh, again, which I can also easily transfer to my business role. And um, now the funny thing is, when you start some something like that, it's different, like uh, like soccer. No, you have a ball, you kick, and you you hit the goal or not. Uh, in karate, you have certain forms and certain movements. And if you do them right or not, it's very obvious. If everybody in the hall is moving right and you're the only one moving left, you can't hide. It's obvious. But that is part of the learning process. No? And if you then start to get angry or frustrated or upset, it will not help because it will take, a, take away attention and focus from in the next round making the movement right. Um, and uh, and that's 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 the lesson. No? Frustration is the enemy, and the enemy shall not win. And the same situation I came across with my team when we looked in adoption of certain offerings we had and number of no-show weights, and realized yeah it was now a season probably also high workload peak season for our consumers, so the adoption was not as high as we had hoped for or planned for. But then also here, frustration is the enemy. The enemy shall not win. We, we, we are also all owing to our consumers that we keep trying new formats and try to understand how we can better connect our offerings to their to these compelling events I mentioned at the beginning, but not give up and build this, this resilience to keep going and keep trying. Oh, okay. That's a great metaphor. Thanks for sharing. And by the way, yeah. one of the big challenges when I'm doing karate is I always have this second mind wandering and observing because it's all, in all these martial arts, they are a perfect example of learning journeys mm -hmm. because you can really see how over hundreds of years, in some cases or centuries, they have been built as a learning journey where basic techniques are introduced then built on with more complex or so small movements, big movements. Once the learner has more stability, for example, in the body, more complex movements are introduced. It's really fascinating. The, the more I learn now, the more I also see how the didactical concept was built and how these pieces come together. That's, that's the other thing. Sometimes I'm so focused on, on being fascinated that I again turn left while all the others turn right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're right. There, there are many facets, like the belts and so on, which we know in gamification levels or whatever. And so, certainly, uh, great metaphors, uh, also katas and all the exercises. Uh, all right. So, thanks so much for sharing. So, uh, like always, I did some question and some preparation. We had a talk yesterday. So, was there anything I forgot to ask, or anything you want to ask me, or want to share with the audience? No, Before only we... one for the for the book uh, mm -hmm. for the book uh, list that you mentioned before. One one thing that I can really recommend because it has a, a, mm -hmm. a real impact for me as an audiobook. I did not read the book; I listened to the audiobook. Is the book from uh, Linda Gretton and Andrew Scott, "The Hundred Year Life: Living and Working in an Age of Longevity," because what they basically explain is generation like my kids, they have statistically, a uh, life expectancy of 100 years, which then also very clearly gives a call for there is need for transformation and continuous learning. Um, and also 
dealing with the ambiguity that no, nobody of us will know what kind of transformation we'll be going through and what kind of skills we and my kids and other kids in that generation will need to learn. But it's very clear that if they have to continuously develop their skills, it's also continuous demand for us as learning professionals, train people early on that they enjoy learning and see learning as a gift. Because then also the 100-year life becomes a gift, not a curse. All right. Yeah. Learning never stops. Uh, so, okay. So thanks so much for sharing all your insights, Enrico. Uh, thanks for meeting you again. So thanks you, Thomas. Have a good time. Yeah, thanks all listeners for taking the time. Uh, if you're still online and uh, like always, you find the podcast on Apple, Spotify and all other uh, podcatchers. We are always happy if you share the podcast uh, wherever on LinkedIn or with your colleagues and if you have some feedback we are also very happy of course if you share that with us or ideas for further podcasts all right so this was it so have all a great further day bye bye cheers cheers bye